All right, what's going on, everybody? Time for another episode of the On Target podcast. Um, today, uh, Jackie is with me. And, Hello. Hello. And Jackie is uh, in our family. We are in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Uh, we've had the opportunity to be at this beautiful location for a few days doing some planning for the next six months with our Compassion Church Network. And so while we were here in Fort Walton Beach, I wanted to take advantage of seeing somebody that I don't get to see that often. Uh, today I'm bringing you a guest, um, my buddy Eric Anderson. The first time I met Eric, um, I'll never forget it. We had gone into Nashville, uh, had gone to Middle Tennessee to see the Compassion Network, and somebody said, you got to meet this guy, Eric Anderson, who is doing a ministry underneath the bridge, downtown Nashville for homeless people. I'm like, what are we doing? Jackie, am I telling it straight? We got off the plane, drove straight to the bridge. If anybody looks on my Facebook profile, it's that bridge that says, we root for you. I yeah. love that. Yeah. And we met Eric, had the flu that day. You were sick as a dog, but you were still out there. And there yeah. were busloads of homeless people, and y'all had food for them, and you had clothes for them, and you had a service for them. I was just blown away. And so I get the opportunity to talk to my buddy Eric today. I want to hear all about, man, what God's done in your life. You pastor a church that's doing amazing things, running this big ministry. I don't know how you have time to do things. Plus, you got all these muscles looking like Mr. Incredible in here. So. <laughs> I don't know about that. Hey, just want to say glad to be on here with you and Jackie. Just what what you guys do, honored to be any part of the kingdom we can be together, you know? Yeah, it's awesome, man. Man, a lot of times when I, when I look at ministry, uh, being a pastor and those kind of things. I'm sure you get this question. People people will say, oh, that must be a good job. You just work one day a week. But you're a guy who, who man, you got more than you can shake a stick at. Um, so we'll get to all of that in just a minute. But but the Eric that I see sitting in front of me right now, I see your wife, see your kids, man, you got that whole thing going on, got the family and everything. I hear that it wasn't always like that. Tell me, tell me what life was like growing up. Um, apparently, there's a point where, where where you had an encounter with Jesus and everything changed. What was it like before that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm blessed to share. You know, I uh, grew up in church as a young kid. Parents, you know, they made us go to church. We went to church every Sunday. My, my parents are great people. They didn't, I mean, they walked the line in my household and a uh, real strict upbringing. Uh, I guess the church is more on the traditional side, big time. And, and when we got to be young men, me and my older brother, uh, we just, I mean, I, we kind of felt like it was so, the rules were pushed so hard. It wasn't as much pushed as a relationship with God. It was more rules. And we just felt like we couldn't keep that. And uh, the boy down the street had access to some drugs. And I mean, as a very young teenager, I started off doing drugs and uh, lived a few years of that, you know, and, and just, in my in, in my rebellious heart that I had, it was just to turn out here to the world to see whatever was there, mm. and uh, and then it was I never forget. So I, I'm, I'm with my my wonderful wife Mindy of 23 years, and we were going out at the time. We both, you know, we got in a lot of trouble together, did a lot of things that weren't biblical, right? You know, yeah. and I never forget how I wasn't even in a church, and the Spirit of God just started dealing with me. And I started thinking about heaven and hell all the time. Mm. Um, I was, you know, I was one of these when I was uh, out 
man, doing drugs or something, I knew inside I wasn't doing right before God. Right. I knew that heaven and hell was real. I knew Jesus is the only way. So I was trained up as a kid to know the truth. And uh, me and her are out living in our apartment. I, I got her living in an apartment with me. And uh, it's like we're in there one day, and I don't know if this is too graphic, but literally in there smoking a joint. <laughs> and I'm talking about we got to get right with God. Mm. That the rapture is going to come. We're going to get left. And I'll never forget that day. A lady knocks on the door, and it is a lady going door to door. That and when my wife opens, she says, "If you died today, would you go to heaven or hell?" And those little kind of things start happening for Messed months. Messed up your buzz a little bit. Yeah. Right oh there. man, she's, my wife just starts bawling because she. Mindy will tell you the story that she learned about God hearing from me. Because mm. I was like, "We got to get right. right. We can't be living." And and it was crazy. Because the Lord honestly came and he sought me out like he does. That shepherd that come out and, and began to deal with my heart. And there was a day when I literally surrendered to God in my little truck. I never forget. Um, went home, started throwing all the, you know, paraphernalia yeah. junk that I, I didn't need in my yeah. life no more. And that Sunday we were in church. We were at the altar. Uh, we don't even remember what was preached. I don't remember the songs. I don't remember nothing. I just remember right. saying, I'm going to church to make it. You know, I got saved, I believe, in my truck. But that day I was in church. Uh, that literally we signed up to get baptized. I mean, we were That's just so interesting to me though, man, because, you know, we, as parents, we hold on to this thing of training up a child in the way they should go when they, oh, they won't, uh, they, they won't depart from it. And that that's what you're saying. That was true. You, you grew up in some form of legalism and, and all about rules, but the relationship wasn't there. But even I, I like that as a pastor, because that tells me, even if I messed everything up, if I'm telling people about Jesus, he's going to bring it back around. He brought you back at just the right time. Well, that me and my cousins, uh, it's funny. I'm the youngest of all the cousins <coughs> in my, in my, the Anderson side of my family. And, uh, when we were kids, we were in some, man, services. We felt the presence of God. There's no denying that that's real. You couldn't grow up in that and, and not believe it. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, at some point, he just come like a, the what do they call it? The hound dog of heaven? The yeah, Holy Spirit right. just, just got on me, <laughs> I and that. I couldn't run from it no more. Yeah, and, yeah, I, and, you know, to be what we're doing today, I'm just humble and wow. grateful that he came and got me. He, he sent people my way, you know. That's interesting to me, too, man, for... 20-somethings, which is probably where you were in, in that time of life. We talk with a lot of 20-somethings that are um, kind of having this crisis of faith where maybe they grew up in church. I know my daughter's pretty open about her struggles of growing up in church, being a pastor's kid, but man, going away to college and just like, what in the world am I doing? Not believing. And, and to hear your story of how, of how you may have given up on church or religion, but God never gave up on you. Pretty cool. I love Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I know you guys do a great job, you and Miss Jackie here, raising yeah. kids, so no, I can no, learn no. from y'all. No, no. no, I'll tell you something, Eric. That gives me hope. I We try to. We try to, but there's a point where you have to make a decision for yourself, and, and you, the faith that you grew up with has to become your own. And to hear that God said... Let me tell you something, Eric Anderson. I'm mm. not done with you, and you're going to... I love it that you said he came after me. He came after me. He's going to do whatever he has to do. He's going to move those mountains. He's going to do that song, I'm going to kick down the doors. I'm going to move the mountains. That's my boy right there, and yeah. I've got Amen. a great Amen. mission for That's him. I, I contributed Gosh. to that. I would run into family members. You know, we'd be... I don't know, drunk or high or something, and going to Kroger's and running into my aunt or something. <laughs> we'd be trying to dodge her, you know, yeah. and then she'd run into you, I'm praying for you. Uh, Why don't you come to church with me Sunday? You know, just... 
But literally, <laughs> in, in my dad's side of the family, I would hear stories of my grand, my grandmother up praying all night long for the kids, the grandkids. I didn't really. She died when I was a kid. But as I, as a elderly woman in there praying mm-hmm. all night long, my dad said he'd come home and be one, two, three in the morning. And she's still in there praying. Wow! And uh, I mean, just this stuff's real. You That's know, good, God's going. My prayer for my kids is that they just follow Jesus all the way. But um, they're going to have to make their own decisions. And I believe we train them up. They yeah. know the truth. Right. They're coming back to it. That's Amen. what I believe. So, man, you had all of that, and I, I truly believe that, that kind of a background really makes for good ministry-minded folks because you're, you, you've experienced what the other side looks like. How long was it after you gave your life to Christ that you felt the call to, to live a life of ministry? Well, that's a great question. So I, I was, you know, you meet people that say, hey, the day I got saved, I knew I was called to do something. I literally just felt like I need to quit using drugs. I need to get my life together. <laughs> I mean, it was just, I got to get a good job. Um, we just started walking with Christ and build relationships in the church, you know, and it was little stuff like we didn't have a lot of money. You know, the youth pastor begins to ask us, well, are you tithing? You know, well, you need to study those scriptures. And, but we would just walk in obedience as God would show us something in the word. It was okay. And so started tithing. God gave me a job making double the amount of money. I'm not saying that's going to have very back for me. Right. He literally doubled my pay. Um, bought our first house, really young age. And, uh, and of course, I'm with Mindy. We've been together for years before this, but we went ahead and said, Hey man, we're getting married. Let's, mm-hmm. let's make this official, you know? And, um, it was probably a couple of years. I had a factory job working there in Gallatin at Fleetwood homes and, uh, was working there. And I just started getting feelings on the inside that there's something I'm supposed to do in this life. And this is not it. Yeah. And it was, uh, just a stirring. I got, it's the only way the same Holy Spirit come and got me was the same one that was just stirring something in me. And I didn't feel like it was just regular, uh, just regular churches that mm-hmm. I knew. In other words, I, I served God in my church faithfully. Right. I tithed. I was a faithful man of God in the church there. But um, he just started stirring something up. There's something I'm supposed to do and accomplish. And um, it's crazy because we run into Josh Hanna. So I felt called. And my pastor there at Hendersonville Church of God, this was years ago, let me preach. And of course, How old were you then? I, 21, <laughs> two, okay, maybe 23, somewhere in there. It was early, yeah. early 20s, and uh, it was terrible. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm scared to death. I don't know what to say. You know how it is. You Do we speak. have a recording of it? Or is it no, no. This, this is, I mean, this is the days of the flip phone. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Not everybody had the iPhone. <laughs> but, but going back to that, um, I went to elementary school with Josh Hanna, so I remember the him as a kid, mm-hmm. and his brother married my wife's sister. Okay. So we saw each other at the wedding and he was just on fire for God. And I told him, I'm like, man, I love this guy. Mm. This, yeah. and he wasn't even the pastor of the first compassion. So for people who don't know, maybe listen to this and don't know who Josh Hannity is, Josh is the founder and I guess you would say CEO of the Compassion Network of Churches. And so he was a pastor at a, a church in Waverly, Tennessee, and, and Eric was in that same community, relatively same age, so to speak. And so you came across Josh and you saw what God was doing in his life. What did that do to you? He, so we just started watching what was going on at the church. He got the job as a pastor. I think he was, he was 19 or 20. I mean, this was a long time ago. But what he was saying God was doing, and it was crazy, he came up on a Sunday night that I was preaching, 
And it just touched my heart that he drove two hours. You know, I know he lived a long ways away. And uh, that night, you know, me and my wife are in a place. We feel God's called us to something. We're just not sure. And uh, uh, the the pastor had encouraged me with that denomination to go to so many years in school. And then I would meet some right people. And for whatever reason, for me, I just felt like, no, I'm supposed to do something. Not love um I felt like I had enough training at the time to actually put my hands on doing something instead of, you know, set my life aside to study. And now I've learned we all study to show ourselves approved. Right. We study weekly. It's it's important as a Christian. But bottom line is Josh Hanna comes and he says, hey, you guys should go on a mission trip to India with us. He said, we're going on this trip. And he was just sharing how uh, they were taking trips once a month. Once a month they would go to another country at, at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we stepped out by faith went to India, got over there, was wrecked with the third world. I mean, Mm -hmm. people digging out of garbage, mountains of trash, and people just digging out of it to find us anything to eat. The the people living in huts, I mean, just floored by that, just moved by how the rest of the world lives and now we don't realize how good Mm -hmm. we have in in America. Mm -hmm. But I was there in India, and God spoke to me just as much as I've ever heard his voice, and he said, sell your house, move away, to Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And so... The start of ministry for me was the Lord told me. So I come back from this trip, and we live on the other side of Nashville, which is about two hours from Waverly. And I come back from this trip, and I'm selling my house and quitting my job and moving to Waverly, Tennessee. Did you know what you were moving to or for? Well, I, I knew the Lord just told me to get involved in that church with Josh. Okay. Okay. Now, now, they didn't have a job opening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was no position, but it was... I had to obey what the Lord said. And right. it's funny, I go down there, and Josh, at the time, the church wasn't, it was about 350 people. There wasn't no money to pay an extra person. And mm. we were just talking. So Eric, I can't even believe you moved here. <laughs> I said, well, God told me. I said, I'm just here. So the Lord told me. I said, I got to work. That's why I'm here. And I was working um, about 45, 50 hours a week at a construction company. But they were letting me off when I needed to do ministry. Mm. Probably another 20, 25 hours a week in the ministry with right. Josh. And, uh, and at some point, I mean, just to cut some of the short story short a little bit is, you know, at some point I got hired on there. I was doing youth and outreach and, um, and just serving God. And we, we, we sat down, this was me and Pastor Josh had sat down back then and said, Hey, we want to get the church to the people that others overlook. Oh, there the it is. whole heart is, I, you know, we're going to get the, the G, we're going to get Jesus in the jails yeah. and the boys homes in the trailer parks, in the projects, yeah. Yeah. and and Eric, in the nursing homes, the people that don't get visits, and, yeah. and that literally was uh, what we sit down and just said, "Hey, let's. I want your task here to be get us in those areas. So, uh, you know, we're going to jail. I'm going to jails each week. I'm going to boys' homes, setting up, feeding them, doing church, and uh, that moved me to see the heart. That's the heart of compassion. Was literally this ain't about money. Right. This ain't about Anything when you serve people that are poor, they can't give you anything back. Yeah. Mm. And uh, so that that's what that's when I, that's how I kind of got involved. It's it's radical, but from that day, from I never forget even back when we were uh, four hundred people, we were still doing conferences to teach pastors yeah. and help pastors. Because I think Josh's heart, he was a pastor. And now that he does a network just to help other pastors like he was. Right. Because his point is, I don't know what to do. I'm just some boy from, you know, didn't grow up in church. And so uh, I think that's why the Compassion, Compassion Network is pretty pretty awesome because 
it's something you can be part of, help you know what to do. Mm. We're all family doing better together. You know, people, good. I get to learn from good people like you, Mr. Jeff. And, well, you know, it's wisdom you got. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about all that. We have a good time anyway. But you know, man, that, that thing you just said right there is why I wanted to talk with you because you're a pastor, but your heart for pastoring is not the heart that says, let me be this um, all dressed up, cleaned yes. up. I don't have any warts, blah, 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 uh -huh. all that stuff. You're, you're, you're a guy who, from the time I've known you, man, you've had your hands in the dirt. You've been yeah. in the ditches, in the trenches. And I just love, I love the way that you do ministry. Um, not, not from a, you know, let me elevate my platform standpoint, but from a, let, let's reach people that, that aren't being reached. And when you talk about India and seeing those trash piles and your heart was broken for people, I think that's where, I think that's where ministry has to start from is God breaks a person's heart for a, a group of people or a community or whatever. And so I see that in you, man, and I love the way that you do that. Uh, it, it's awesome that you're pastoring the church, but you're doing that and you're doing 615. I'd love to talk, t tell us a little bit about Mission 615, what it is, maybe how you got started. And, okay. and, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so, so right now, Mission 615, we serve the homeless in Nashville, Tennessee. We have a few sites that we go, and like you said, we'll have worship experience with them. We feed them give them clothing, and then we work to connect them to get them in the Hope Center. How many people, like on a Saturday, that Saturday I was there, that was probably five, six years ago. How many homeless people were there just on a typical Saturday? Well, Nashville's been a real challenge in the last three years. They're moving the homeless every direction. Uh, we've had to move what we're doing a few times, okay. but we still serve them. But but that day you came probably 100, 150. At least. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, and we've had, we've had, we bust in, we were busting in over 200 homeless people yeah. to a location. Yes. So we, we went from serving, bringing them in on buses to now going out on sites to different sites. The, the, the uh, sidewalk concept is what we do for the homeless. And then we do ministry for the underprivileged kids that live in the projects. We have eight, eight sites where they're out doing services from Thursday to Saturday. And we are going out with sidewalk trucks with the stages that fall down, sharing Jesus, positively motivating kids, and then also meeting needs of those kids and those families. So just just trying to um, speak life over the underdogs in mm. life. Uh, it's crazy. The story how it started, so I, I share this with you. So I'm down there in Waverly serving at the church for about three or four years. And um, one morning I, I had a, a wonderful lady named Lauren Pickens she comes to the church. She said, hey, there's this youth conference uh, for the IPHC, and I want you to go. And so I'm like, okay, that's great. I'll go. Early that morning, 5 o'clock, I'm driving to Memphis, Tennessee, and I'm worshiping, I'm praying, and I get this just life flooring word. The same way in India where he gives me a life-changing word, mm -hmm. say your house move. I'm, I'm driving there. I have this encounter with God, and the Lord just speaks to me and says, we're going to plan a mission to Nashville. Uh, I want you to you know, feed the hungry and clothe the naked. I want you to go to the darkest areas of the city and shine the light. And it just wrecked me because I knew it was that level of word. Right. It was God giving a, the call. I need you to do something else now. So I had all these thoughts in my mind, like one, I don't want to mess the church up. I'm on a staff position. I want to do right by God. And I didn't tell no one, but at seven o'clock the phone rings and it was an elderly guy named Paul Shaw 
I didn't really know him at the time. And he says, man, I know you don't know me real well. He said, but the Lord just told me to call you and tell you that what he said was a word from him and oh it will gosh. come fast. And oh, I just said, oh, man, I, I was, I said, look, you have no idea, yeah. Paul, what you just said. I said, and I want to tell you so bad. I said, but let me get back in town and I want to sit down with you yeah. and I'll tell you what the yeah. Lord said. But it was crazy because that happened. Then I get back to the weekend. I fly back in, get back in town to Waverly. Uh, that morning I saw Pastor Josh and I, I didn't want to, you know, drop some bomb on him before he preaches. That's if you love your pastor, please don't do that. <laughs> you know, you already know. But I told him right there, I said, Josh, I want to buy you lunch today if I can. I'm, you know, buy you lunch yeah. and I'll talk to you. And he just stopped me. He said, Eric, let me tell you something, man. He said, this week, he said, I had this encounter with God. And he spoke to me that we're supposed to feed, feed the hungry, <laughs> clothe the naked. We're going to plan a mission wow. to Nashville. And literally, word for word, what the Lord told me. And That's it was amazing. just a, a radical thing because Pastor Josh, we just launched it. He just got, you know, my pastor there launched Mission 615 to Nashville. We were going into the projects. We kind of said, hey, where would you go buy drugs at? That's where we want to start. Yeah. I know that sounds graphic. No, that's no, awesome. That's but exactly we, we felt like the Lord said, I want you to go to the, the worst places in the city. That's where we're going to go. And so it's evolved to now all these different sites, uh, hundreds of kids getting Jesus Christ. Um, it's been going strong. This is uh, year 13, wow. coming up on year 13. And I've seen kids that are now grown men. Uh, love Jesus, just transformed by people just loving them, sharing hope with them, and just being in their lives. So it's a, you know, God called us to go into those broken areas, but we're seeing just results of just Jesus mm. changing kids to be great men and women. Because I feel, you know, a lot of these neighborhoods, um, the kids may not be starving, but they don't have the same benefits as other kids do. Right. They may not get to pick what they want to eat. I mean, my kids are picky. They they want to go here. They want to go there. But these kids manage to eat whatever was in the in the cabinets, yeah. and get talked down to, get beat up on the school bus, get cussed out on a daily basis. Breaks your heart. Um, literally, eighty to ninety percent of these kids do not have an active father in the home. So it's right. It's every city. It's not just Nashville. It's every that's city. Right. No, that's right. And the need for people to come and share Christ, show love. Just build relationships. It's so it's so big, you know. That's and that you had heard that this weekend. We we want to come help people do this in their city. That's right. We want to come help them do it for for their, you know, and have a church be the home base that literally all these missions go out of. So, so here, here's another thing, man. You lead me right into that. Another one of the things that I see in you that I just love, man. Um, there's correct me if I'm wrong, but. In a business, you're selling a product and somebody's paying you for the product. In a nonprofit like this, you have to raise funds to be able to do this. Everybody's on board and high five, and yeah, man, 615 is great, but you're the brother that has to bear the burden of where's the finances going to come from. And where I'm going with that, in the time that I've known you, I've just seen such great faith, man. Even in the stories you're telling now, the faithfulness the faith to move your family two and a half hours and not know where you're going, but you know God's calling you there. You know God's calling you into 615 and not only maintaining it, but growing it. And the faith to just trust God for the resources. Tell me about that. How do you do that? You know what, Jeff? All these years later, I'm convinced now. You know, you say you see all that faith. I don't, I really just felt each time it was just obedience. And 
there was so much pressure on the money side. Um, we we kind of always had a motto of if you have big enough vision, you know the money will come. Mm -hmm. But we did set out with nothing, right. and uh, I mean we we've, we've had I have had times where we were completely broke, yeah. fixing to have to not pay any bills, not be able to run any buses. I mean we've come down to the wire a few times, but it's crazy. It's God who's the source, but the other side of it is people. Did I hear something? I, mean, I, may, I may be getting this wrong, but did I hear somewhere along the way somebody wrote you a check for like $100,000 one time? Is that right? I've seen $200,000 checks. Wow. I've seen $50,000 checks. I've, I have just, I mean, when I got a $200,000 check, I, of course, I take a picture of like, I can't ever <laughs> even seen a check this big in my life. But I'll tell you, there was a there was one time, and this is just one of the many stories. But uh, I sh I actually had shared this with some pastors a while back. Um, but there was a time when we were ten thousand dollars in the red, mm. and at the time, the church that was helping us kind of do our accounting, because of course we couldn't pay anybody to do all that, yeah. was like, hey, we we're gonna float that, but you you can't just keep digging a hole in the red. <laughs> And at that time, I had one staff member who worked for very little money, mm -hmm. and we were running uh, we were running six school buses. We're doing this to we had we were ministering about four hundred people every week, um, but it was this time of well, what do you do? Well, here's what I know to do: pray, fast. Yeah. I quit eating. I started fasting. I started praying. And um, Jamie was the business guy at the time. Uh, he. He literally came back the second week and said, hey, man, I need you to look at the screen. Like, you don't realize what I'm saying. I'm like, man, I don't even want to see it. I know it ain't good. <laughs> right. But I will say, I, I had fasted for a couple of days, um, you know, share the heart. But I will say this. If you come to the city and you meet these kids and you meet these guys, it sells itself. People want to be involved yeah. in changing lives. Yeah. But, of course, right, we want to be good at, at sharing when you have the opportunity with the mm -hmm. right people. But I got, I remember this day of fasting. We're in this major need. And I go out to this old church in the middle of Montgomery State Bell Park. It's from either it's a replica or something from like the 1800s. It is a stone brick. I mean, you know, just an old right. building. Right. And uh, literally went out there and got on my face in the dirt. And I just told God, I just broke before God and said, I can't do this unless you do it. Mm. And I'm only doing this because you said and I'll never forget that day. The, the, there's a few things, a couple things that happened that day. One, the Lord said, it's my ministry and I just let you be a part of it. And when he said that, peace came over me. Takes the weight right like you, It's my, you know, the heaviness is supposed to be mine. You're yes. taking it on oh, yourself. That's so good. But he literally speaks up in heart. So at least I had the coming out of there, I'm going, hey, I ain't going to worry myself to death about it. But you still have concern. You know, you want to lead forward. Uh, literally, I leave that day, drive to the church. We had a meeting. Uh, me and some pastors were meeting that day. On the way there, I get a phone call from a gentleman that says, Hey, man, we just sold some businesses. I know you don't know me, but you know my one of my family members. And he said, We just sold some businesses. We're going to give you a check. Um, you know, just kind of curious what, you know, what y'all, what your needs are, what are you doing? And I said, Well, I said, for one, it's, Funny that you're saying that. I've been fasting and praying about the finances. 
And uh, and by the end of the conversation, I was kind of hitting around. Are we talking a thousand? Are we talking a <laughs> yeah. hundred? Right. And uh, in the conversation, he was you know they wrote a check for fifty thousand dollars. And wow. that was one of probably twenty stories that That's I could awesome. take you to of just radical. You know, we had a time when we're busting the homeless in, and we left like forty of them that were hungry. They wanted food. You know, we were bringing them there, feeding them a great meal having church with them. And that, that was one Saturday we left 40 of them just standing at the bus stop because we couldn't fit them. Uh, and I'm talking these drivers and, you know, nobody spread this out, right? But they would have people lined up in the middle of the seats of the bus. I mean, it was, if you can pack on this bus, we're right. taking you. Yeah. And I'll never forget that day. They told me when they the bus driver gets back, they told me Eric, we had to leave 40 people. Mm. I got up with the mic. I mean, just instantly. I didn't even think about it, really. But I got up there and told everybody from the streets, I said, listen up. I said, that's not going to happen next week. I need every one of you to go back and tell them that next week, God and Pastor Eric are going to figure this I out. I love it, man. And we will pick awesome. you up. So I, and I said, we're going to pack plates back and take it back to them. And uh, I sat down and said, how in the heck are we going to buy them? <laughs> and uh, the funny that's thing awesome. was is um, that day there was someone sitting in the, in the congregation actually had come to volunteer that said, hey, how much is a bus? Yeah. Uh, and I told them the price, and they wrote a check. Yeah. Right there. Come on, Lord. Uh, I, I mean, it's just radical as you're doing it, as you're in the dirt, and your hands are in the dirt serving, and God just shows up. Just... So let me let me go a different direction, man. That's beautiful. I love that. And somebody's, somebody's listening to that is going to need to hear that. Um... Like, like, I can't see it, but I know God's going to provide... I love what you said about carrying the weight of it and how God said it's his ministry and kind of frees you from that. Um, we're going we're gonna to start winding down in a few minutes, but uh, before, before we start winding down, I want to ask you this, man. You're, you're leading a church that's a pretty sizable church and a ministry that's a very sizable ministry, a lot of, lot of moving pieces. What I know about you is you can do an awful lot of things, but nobody that's running all of that Somewhere along the way, you've learned how to be a great leader. You have to be be able to run both of these things. Tell me what you've learned, like like a little nutshell something. How, how do you manage running an organization of that size and a church of your church's size uh, on a weekly basis? How do you do that? Well, Jeff, first of all, you and Jackie are too kind. And uh, I don't think of myself as a great leader, but at the same time, if you're asking me how, the only way you can do it is having the right people. And uh, and we've got some amazing team members. That's awesome. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but it starts with leadership, though, and it starts with somebody that gets in there and says, "This is important." You have a beautiful way of leading by example. And when we got there that day, when we first met you, I I am not a kid person. I, I'm not, and I'm not one that's going to go under a bridge on purpose. I'm not. I, I was very uh, out of my comfort zone that day. If you'll remember, by the day, by the time we left that day, you said, go ahead, Jackie. And I was loving all those people, and I felt comfortable to go help feed, and I and I was helping, I was loving on them. Like I think y'all prayed with people. Y'all were in the prayer team or something. You've got to be kidding me because I was following your example. Yeah. When I met you, you felt 
terrible. And I mm-hmm. said, oh, my God, Eric, what are you doing here? And he goes, it's game time. It, today, I, and today's the day. But the, the switch flipped when we got down under that bridge. Yeah. Not one person knew you felt bad. It was game on. And, and, and we followed your lead, buddy. And you loved on them beautifully. And you gave us permission to love on them beautifully. It wasn't like you were... You, you never held us back. You didn't stifle. You didn't walk on to that bridge like I'm Pastor Eric. It was just, I'm Eric, and I just want to be with y'all. Like, I've waited all week to be with y'all. And there was a camaraderie there, and there was a respect for them there. And you you led by example. So well, that's that is so awesome to hear you say. I mean, oh, but But gosh, I almost, and, and the truth is, is being consistent is everything. Oh, my Lord. And... I heard uh, Pastor Bill Wilson say this years ago, and I just love the quote, your commitment has to outweigh your emotion. Mm. And I will say that calls... Say that again. Your commitment has to outweigh your emotion. Because a lot of times we don't feel good. I just don't feel it today. And I don't, you know, this and that. And the truth is, I've, I've had, I've learned to just go. Hey, it doesn't matter what I feel like today. So we, we, we're trying to accomplish something. We got to yeah. do something. Yeah. And yeah. I think I would say leaders. I, I believe that sparked something in other leaders as well to go, okay, I could come work with this guy. And mm-hmm. I would say we there's a few just we got some radical team members in Nashville. But it was I believe it's from like you said, it's I, we just learned if you don't quit, if you just keep at it, people see that. It's uh, You reproduce who you are though. Well but you also reproduce who you are. That's right. And people see your heart and what you're doing yeah. and the faith. And I'll use this word, but 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 the favor. Your faith has opened up favor from God yeah. to provide the things. But when you when you have this passion to do God's work, I think it starts off with okay, let me do something. Let me get my hands on what can I do. And then you get to a point where you're doing something that's pretty big, and you either have to maintain that thing for the rest of your life, and it can't get any bigger, or you say okay. This is a good thing we've done. Now how can I get other people involved and continue to grow it? And I think that's what you've done, man. I think I think you started off with a with the mentality of somebody who's going to work at doing a big deal. But you know, when I, again, the church six one five, we hadn't even talked about Hope Center. Your church has oh, a Hope yeah. Center for you know a year long addiction program recovery. You're leading that as well. And so, man, you you say we're too kind. You're being very humble. He's always. I, I don't think well, you realize all your leading. He's always humble. I would say absolutely. And what happens is, it's crazy. <clears throat> you go to the streets and you serve somebody. You leave more blessed than you came That's every time. Good, man. Yeah. And the right leaders get a hold of that. Like, man, this is true riches right here. Yes. It ain't about money. It's about I went here and served somebody, loved somebody. Heck, I feel 12, 12 times better when I left. But you have and, to let that leader lead, don't you? When, when, when right. someone comes along. Right. You have, it's the same way Josh gave you the ability to lead and grow and do things. You have to pass that on to other people. You, you do, and they're not going to do it just like you would. Right. <laughs> but is that hard for you? It, and it is some, but you know, learning to, and especially we have some younger team members. I mean, I say younger. I'm 42. I'm getting old at this point. But watch your mouth. Not your business. <laughs> a lot of gray hair. But, you, not but you know what I'm saying? It's like if if we're clear about the goals, you know, what are we here to do? Uh, absolutely, got to let people, uh, you know, uh, have some wins and have some losses. I think that's important, man, for people who may be hearing this and thinking, 
feel like God's called me into doing something, the thought that I can't, God's calling me into something, I feel it, I know he's called me to do it, but it's too big. How is we always say it around here, man, the, the, the job's not too big, the team is just too small, right? right? And, and your your mission has been growing and your team's growing and, you know, well, there's, there's a, and I would say, you know, the God factor, you know, we're called, I was called to do this yes. and I think yes. that can catch on like a fire. Oh, yeah. So I, 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 you know, the truth is, is, if you ask any church, a lot of them say, well, we're struggling in this area. We're struggling in that area. Hey, I can take you to the White House. We're struggling in some areas there too. Mm. But the fact that it's like, hey, we're going to give this all we got. And this God passion that comes out when people get involved, they get more fired up right. as well. Right. And it's almost like a, a steamroller. Just roll, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Thing, like a snowball going downhill. It's gaining speed as no, it's going. It. People get involved in something where there's a mission and uh, I mean, yeah, you got to give up a Saturday, or you got to give up your time. Or, but but man, when you get involved with something like that, and what you get back from it is amazing. I'm gonna flip it to you, Jackie, for a minute. Tell you you kind of hit on it just a minute there, but um, if you could tell listeners or tell Eric, what do you see in Eric Anderson and everything he's got his hands in? What what impresses you? What what, what do you see that maybe other people need to hear about? I think that Eric is the real deal. Mm -hmm. I think that Eric wakes up every day like you do and says, I can't believe I get to do this. Yeah. Uh, I know that when, why am I going to cry? <laughs> when we get in the, the truck on Sunday, I hear Jeff say, thank you, Lord. I can't believe I get to do this. My guess is that Eric gets in his truck and says, God, thank you, Lord. I can't, can't believe you picked me to do this. Um, I've, his heart is very evident in everything that he does. Um, he was sitting in a meeting yesterday with me, and I said, Hey, bud, how you doing? And he said, I can't believe I'm sitting in this room. I just just don't think I belong in this room. And I was like, Are you kidding me, dude? Like, you're the reason. Lots of pastors, of course not compassion pastors, <laughs> but some pastors, you know, in other denominations, uh, come in and they're strutting their stuff and they're doing their thing. The celebrity pastor. Yeah, the celebrity pastor and the one that has to pray the longest and the one that, you know, Eric comes in and is so humble and, and kind and very unassuming and sits down and um, is thankful to be in the room and appreciates all that he hears and takes it all in and, you know, figures out where his part of that is. Yeah. I think him and Jesus have a conversation. I love you know, what part of that is for me, Lord? Where where do I fit in in that? And I think he's somewhat of a unicorn. Mm -hmm. I think that, that when he prays, God, you know, give me one more. I think he... I think his church is not inside four walls. That's good. His church is outside. I think I think I think God uses him beautifully to go get that sheep that's out there. So, so Eric, that that's God, exactly why I wanted you to bring. Yeah, I wanted to hear your story, but I also wanted to encourage you some, man, because you are taking on you you have taken on been taking on a big work, and and for me, it's so encouraging to see people in ministry who are hands on. Yeah. I mean, you you could be completely all hands-on and you can't grow something, but having that balance between being hands-on and leading and growing something is so incredible to me. So I'm going to start wrapping up just a minute, but but if people are listening to this and they hear about Mission 615, and you know, we may have people that, that are listening to this, maybe in the Tennessee, Middle Tennessee area, maybe in Danville, Virginia, who knows where they're listening to, but my guess is that there's 
if they're hearing the mission in your heart for Mission 615 and they want to do something with that, how can they How can they get involved? How can they help with that? Well, of course, mission615.com, uh, Facebook, Insta, you know, get on there and find us. The social media probably has more activity than, you know, anything else we do. Um, you can come to Nashville Volunteer. You can come firsthand and be a part of the kids' sidewalk ministry, the homeless camps. You can... Man, you can go full tilt, you know, or and or, and or even just create awareness and tell other people about it. You know, it's amazing to me. It, we, we're seeing God do some amazing things. All these years later, ultimately, there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of amazing partners and people. And that's the only way it happens. And uh, there's people in different states that go, well, we see what you do on social, so we just want to support you financially. So it's 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 needed, and God used it. You can be as much of a part as you want to be. Our heart one day is to have an intern home that we're literally, people could come live here and be trained up and sent out, you know. So we're working on that as well. But but in the meantime, people can come for a weekend. Uh, we have groups that come from Indiana. Mm-hmm. They'll drive four hours in the morning yeah. to come serve. Uh, cool. It's just amazing. But just because they, man, you just can't, once you see something, you can't unsee it. Yeah. So I heard you say earlier today, too, that Mission 615 is a national thing right now, but you're willing to come to other cities if, if people who are listening to this would be interested in starting something like a Mission 615 where they are. What would you say about that? Absolutely. We've got a literally a model. We've got, we can help somebody get set up with all the stuff they'll need, um, can walk them through every step of the process to get other sites started in other cities. And really make it way way more simple for somebody if they say, hey, we saw what you do in Nashville. We want to start our own sites. We want to help develop that. We want to re- literally build a network of just uh, resourcing other cities around the world. And we, of course, want to work with churches. Right now we have partner churches in the Nashville area um, that I think we did a number the other day that we have like 39 people attending a local church. And these are kids, moms grandmoms mm-hmm. from the neighborhoods that have given their life to the Lord and now they're attending a local church that's close by. So that's mm-hmm. kind of our heart for around the world is we just want to get more sites started because you go and, and care for people. Hey, in the end, God works in their life. They really? come to church. Awesome. Last question. Uh, somebody's listening to this and, and they feel like God has been putting something on their heart, a, a work to do, but they just can't get over that thing of feeling like, man, feel like this is something I should be doing, but I don't know how to do it. Um, I, I don't have the money for it. It just seems like it's overwhelming. You've lived that. You're on the other side of that. What would you say to that person? Uh, I would say you got to start where you're at. You know, if, if i got this vision, this big ministry, well, nothing starts big. <laughs> it may start simple as you going and getting stuff and bringing it to the streets. You know, you got to start somewhere. And uh, that's kind of, we just launched out in the middle of the city started meeting needs. Uh, it led to us doing huge sidewalk services, having you know, hundreds of people that would come out. And so we uh, we started where we were at, and of course, it's leadership. Build your team, share it with people, share vision, you know, be clear about what you are gonna do and how that uh, someone could be a part. But but yeah, you're right, it's it's it, it, literally the obedient side. You know, if you're feeling something stirring your heart, you need to be obedient, and then secondly, if you are going to do anything, any kind of street ministry or missions, uh, you'll have to choose to not quit no matter what. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many times you'll just soon quit because it's tough. Yeah. But, you know, Jesus never said this would be a cakewalk. Right. You know? so right. When it's tough, you just stick with it, what God's called you to do, whether you have a little or have a lot. 
Bro, that's a good word. I don't know what else to say to it. Eric, thank you for being on with us today, man. Um, we're praying for you. God bless you. So proud of what you're doing and uh, hope we'll talk with you before too long again. Hey, love you guys. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, just a wonderful family, wonderful ministry going on with these guys. So thank you. All right. There you go.